Hello, and welcome to the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is mysterious, bizarre, and unexplained. I am Sean, and I will be the host for this discussion. In this episode, we will once again be sharing creepy and unexplained listener stories that have been sent in to us. Though each of these stories are different, they all share one thing in common. The content within is something mysterious and unexplained, and each of them is creepy in their own right. So let's get started. Our first story that I want to get into was just recently sent in to us from Joan, and it actually relates to our last episode on Close Encounters. In that episode, one of the cases we covered was the popular Hill abduction, in which Betty and Barney Hill were supposedly followed and abducted by aliens in New Hampshire in 1961. Joan just sent in an email which I think shed some light on the case from someone who was actually in the area around the same time, and this is what she had to say. I grew up in Methuen, Massachusetts, about a 30-mile drive to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There was quite a bit of talk around the time of UFOs in that area. Now keep in mind the Portsmouth Air Force Base was in full operation during that time. I remember walking home from the Methuen Square with a friend, 1968-ish about a mile from home. Suddenly, there was this huge bright round shape hovering in the sky. I am thinking this is around 4.30 in the afternoon. Still, the lights were so bright that traffic stopped on both sides of the street to look up at the sky. Totally freaked myself and my friend out, and we were convinced it was aliens. Fast forward to 1971. My friend and I were driving back from a work Christmas party and saw the same round shape in the sky. This was her first time seeing this kind of thing. She insisted on driving down to the Peace Air National Guard base to report the alien craft. Long story short, they wouldn't let us in the gate until morning, so we slept in the car. After they denied any involvement and sent the two 17-year-old girls home. The papers during the next week were full of sightings. Hmm. And as for her opinion on the Hill case, Joan had this to say. Maybe the government took Betty and Barney, you know, interracial couple, and performed tests. No kidding, it could happen. I don't know what the hell was going on back then, but there was something. Gotta suspect government experiments. So thanks, Joan, for sending in your story and your feedback on the Hill case. I agree with her that I think it definitely isn't too far-fetched to think that the whole Hill abduction could have been some type of government experiment gone wrong, when the U.S. government has been guilty of some really shady stuff in the past, such as secretly exposing civilians and soldiers to syphilis and malaria to basically use them as human guinea pigs without their knowledge. Another big example would be Project MKUltra, which was a secret CIA mind control program which was going on during the 50s and 60s. In this secret program, government officials would dose people with LSD without their knowledge to test the results. And I can see how two people like Barney Betty Hill, who were tripping on acid, could believe that a squad of soldiers or G-men would look like weird aliens in uniforms. However, since Joan and a lot of other people from that area in time claimed to have seen other strange lights in the sky, perhaps there was something going on. Unless the whole region was just being sprayed down with LSD. Since there was a base nearby, maybe there was some type of experimental testing going on with aircraft. Who knows? Anyways, thanks, Joan, for writing us in and sharing your side of the story. Our next experience is actually somewhat related in that it takes place in the same area and involves a possible encounter of the third kind, and this story was shared with us from Danielle. 
and she says, I've always had a really odd fear of gray aliens as a child. I think maybe what happened to me as a wee one had something to do with it. Now, I do not reject the idea that it could have been a sleep paralysis hallucination, or maybe a trauma that my brain is covering up, and saying it's what I think it is. Every time I think back to what happened, I get scared, and even now in my 30s, when I think back to that night, I will sleep with the lights on. I would say that what happened to me was not as extreme as the other stories I heard on the podcast, but it definitely would be considered strange. I lived on an Air Force base in New Hampshire with my mom, dad, and brother, who was younger by about two years. I was six years old, and it was in the 80s. My mother had her father over to show off the new housing that Uncle Sam had provided for us, so my grandfather took my bedroom, which was also my brother's. So we slept in my mom and dad's room, which now doesn't make sense because I don't know where my parents were going to sleep. So they were downstairs, talking late into the night, and my brother and I lay asleep in bed. I don't know when I woke, but it was probably around midnight. Across from me, crouched on top of my mom's dresser, was a glowing figure. It was shaped like a human. It was squatting and leaning forward, kind of like how Spider-Man does. Its face was round, oval, and had huge black eyes. It was so strange and I knew it wasn't right, and it definitely wasn't Spider-Man. I had to get out of there. I then reached for my brother's hand to shake him. I whispered his name, but he was already awake. I asked if he saw what I saw, and he said yes. Again, maybe he was just scared because I was so scared. I grabbed his hand and we bolted down the stairs. My mom, dad, and grandfather all looked at us with annoyance. They were all drinking, and my mother yelled at me. She told us to go back upstairs. I tried to explain why I couldn't, and that there was some strange being upstairs that was watching us sleep, but she was belligerent and took us up there. She threw us in bed, turned off the light, and we laid there. The figure was gone, but I couldn't sleep. A month later, as I was in school, all the kids were looking through books of all kinds. For some reason, that alien picture that was on the cover of Communion, the book, showed itself in a magazine. I screamed and threw down the magazine. Again, I don't know why that magazine, or whatever it was, was in a kindergarten class, but I became hysterical, and my mom later yelled at the school for showing such material. The teacher, who was actually really nice, had no idea what was really going on. After I explained to my mom what I saw, she didn't get mad, but said it was okay, even though she looked concerned. Later on in my teens, somehow we came upon the story again. My mom got serious, and she said, I used to see creatures at the end of my bed at night too, but no one cared. I would be so scared that I would pee the bed. My brother and I got quiet, and then we all changed the subject. Later in life, I would overhear my mom drunkenly talk to my aunts about the events over the phone. My relatives all have the same kind of story. We must all be crazy. I'll be honest in saying that of all the personal stories we have gotten recently, this might be the one that creeped me out the most. Just imagining waking up as a kid and seeing some alien being staring at you is enough to give me chills. The idea that you could wake up and see something strange in your bedroom it's one of the most terrifying thoughts to me, and probably one of the reasons why I always like to have a knife within arm's reach whenever I sleep, also to throw it off night stalkers. Uh, until this past month working with this podcast, I also had no idea that New Hampshire had so many stories and encounters involving aliens and UFOs. Just from the sound of it, I could probably fill an entire episode of stories coming from that one state alone. Now, as for Danielle's story, I think it would be easy to dismiss the whole thing if she had been the only one to have supposedly seen the creature. I mean, she herself gave a few reasons why it could have simply been an illusion or vision, 
And I don't think anyone would seem surprised if a young kid came screaming out of a bedroom saying there was a monster or something in there. However, the fact that multiple people in her family also say that they saw this alien-looking being gives it some credibility, I think. Now, she jokingly said that maybe her whole family must be crazy, but I don't think that's the case. I find it hard to believe that different people are having the same visions or hallucinations, but I guess that's always a possibility. Perhaps Danielle and her brother overheard their mother's story at one point while really young, and it just subconsciously planted the idea for them. Or maybe they just happened to watch a really scary alien movie before going to bed, and that they had a kind of waking nightmare type of situation. The most outlandish theory one could make is that the being Danielle saw was actually an extraterrestrial. Maybe this alien or aliens like it just happened to pick her family for some reason unknown to us humans, and just like to drop by every now and then and watch them sleep. So whoever said aliens can't be creepers. Of course, I cannot say for certain what exactly Danielle and her family were seeing, whether it was an illusion of the dark or a hallucination or an actual alien visitor, but it certainly makes for one creepy, unexplained story. Our next personal experience was sent in to us from Dan, and it keeps us on the side of the paranormal. His tale is related to our first listener story episode, which dealt with paranormal encounters. In that episode, we had a number of people writing in and sharing their experiences with some type of entities made of some type of black mass that could be described as some type of shadow creature. And this is what Dan wrote to us describing his own encounters with such experiences. So I listened to my first podcast tonight, which was your creepy paranormal listener story. I knew immediately what these people were explaining to you. The tall, dark, solid black figure that they have seen is mainly known as Hat Man. I have seen this entity three times in my life. The first time I was watching television and happened to look into my dining room and saw a solid black figure that was seven foot tall standing in my dining room. It looked as though it was wearing a cloak and a wide-brimmed hat. I looked away to check my eyesight and looked back into the dining room, but it was still there. An instant rush of adrenaline surged into my body. I was in fight-or-flight mode, but I just froze. I watched it move out of sight around a corner. My next encounter was in my upstairs hall and then again in my dining room. It didn't take long when I began to search for what was haunting me, the hat man. When I first read about the hat man, I was elated but terrified at the same time. You can just do a search on the hat man and you will see it as a phenomenon that is going on around the world. Everyone who sees this thing describes it the same way. I would be interested to find out just how widespread this thing is. Thanks Dan for sending in your story. Based on Dan's experience, uh, I've done some research myself on this so-called hat man and was also surprised at how many sightings and encounters there were with this mysterious entity. Some of these experiences have gone back 20 years or more, so this isn't a recent phenomenon. Considering Dan's story here, plus the ones that we shared in our first listener story episode, not to mention the dozens of other tales I read online, shows that a lot of people are seeing this shadowy figure, or hat man. So next comes the question of whether this black mass is actually real, or if just a number of people have shared similar hallucinations, or it's all just a trick of the mind. If it was all just a vision, it would probably be the most likely explanation. As far as illusions go, seeing a black shape is probably the easiest or most common to occur. I'm sure everyone has had moments where they see something out of the corner of their eye that for a split second looks like someone or something, but when they turn it's really no longer there. 
It could be that these shadow figures or hat man is simply a phantom caused by the lighting mixed with perhaps a tired mind or an over-imagination. If these shadow people were actual hallucinations, however, then they would absolutely appear real to the person observing them. With all that said, if you are willing to look beyond the fringe and are willing to think about other explanations, some could believe that this hat man or shadow entities like it do exist. Just from the stories we have received and the countless others I've read online, there definitely seems to be a considerable amount of people open to this possibility. Our next story was sent in to us from Fallon. Now this is a particular interesting experience, and one that makes for a creepy campfire story. Now Fallon actually sent in her experience to us in audio, so I figure who better to tell their story than the person themselves. So now let's have Fallon share her creepy tale with the rest of you. Hi, Sean, Eric. Um, I'd like to share my one of my creepy stories with you. Uh, a little background, I used to be a, a Navy sailor, so when we were out to sea and underway, a lot of us like to swap stories. Like, this will probably never change with sailors, you know, telling sea stories and all that. Uh, one day we were getting into... Uh, like scary stories and um because I, I i tend to choke when i'm just relaying a story it doesn't really get quite across um i wrote mine down before i told everybody but uh i'm gonna it became a hit and people used to ask me to read it in the birthing because <laughs> it was super scary so like we'd have uh, all the lights off and uh we'd use like a little lamp or flashlight and I would read this just like the you know back in the day when you were a little kid getting sitting behind the couch watching you know are you afraid of the dark so you want to be scared well I'll scare you trust me this is why I always kept all the doors closed in our old house all the lights on when I was alone why I ignored the reflections in the tv and never ever went into my brother's room without anybody with me. It was around 10 at night, and John, our babysitter, was there. I was 13 and he was 18, and we really didn't need him anymore. But it was easier to take care of Nico, age 8, and a little shit, with him around. Our parents were out at a rock show. Um, My stepfather's a drummer, so they'd be gone until about 3 or later. He let us stay up late because he was more like a brother than anything else. I was sitting on the couch with him, and we could both see the open door to my brother's room out the corner of our eyes. Mary and Nico were on the other couch, so they couldn't see it. Thank God for that. I caught a movement from the direction of the door, and an instant later, John shot up like a bullet and yelled, SHIT! He was half-crouched in a fighting stance and didn't take his eyes away from the door. I stood and faced it. Did you fucking see that, Fal? He asked me, almost crying. No, just... He snapped his head towards Mary and Nico. Get away from there, he said. They got up quickly and almost ran behind them. I saw a face. He pretty much shouted. At this point, my heart was racing, and I couldn't take my eyes away from where he was pointing. I slowly grabbed the remote and shut off the TV. Nico glanced at the dead screen, then screamed, jumping out to the couch behind John. It was on the TV, he said, tears starting to fall across his cheeks. I managed to look at the dark screen before making my way back to the door. My eyes passed over the pictures on the wall, and when I saw it, a face was staring at us from the reflection in the glass. 
I saw it for less than a second, but it will be forever ingrained, burned into my mind. Two small beady eyes, a wide grin, an impossibly long neck. Peach fuzz all over soft pig-like skin. I don't know if Mary ever saw it, but this man haunted my dreams, lived in the corner of my eyes, lurked in reflections for all the years I lived there until my seventeenth. The rest of the night we kept the doors closed, the lights on, and sat together in a huddle on the couch, afraid that his hands would reach and his creamy, creamy skin would close in on us. My parents didn't believe us, said John just freaked us out, but we knew what we saw. I know what I saw. Yeah, so, um, the story that I used to tell, it is completely true. I don't know if it was sleep deprivation or what, but, like, um, I'll, I'll send in the, uh, picture I drew to go along with it. Uh, even now, telling it, I'm in, like, this little closed recording area, and I just feel, oh, like somebody's watching me. It gives me the shivers even now, because, yeah, I was, I was probably about 13, and it is one of the scariest things that has ever happened and but and anyway um thank you for hearing my story but um i'll catch you on the flip side i guess love your podcast thanks guys thanks valen for sending in your story again it's definitely creepy and disturbing and made even stranger by the fact that multiple people in the house also saw the same thing on the lighter side, I would have to imagine that was probably the last time that particular babysitter went to that house. I know I would certainly be way too freaked out to try that again. So anyways, thank you, Fallon, for taking the time to send in your creepy personal experience. And now we will move on. Oh, actually, we just received an email, and it pertains to this episode, so I'm going to read this to everyone real quick. And it goes... Hello, Sean. I'm writing in to tell you about the beast that lives in my house. It is a nasty, foul-smelling creature indeed. I see it when I wake up in the morning, on the other side of the bed. It speaks mostly in grunts and dumb statements, and it reeks of flatulence. Please help me deal with this nasty creature. Hmm. A short but very disturbing story. So this email was sent in to us from, uh, oh. It's actually from my co-host Eric's wife. Yikes. Well, unfortunately, I'm not sure if I can help you out with the man-beast known as Eric. I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. And with that, we will move to our next and last unexplained story, which is perhaps one of the more disturbing, possibly because it is most rooted in plain reality. This was sent in to us from Samantha, and her story goes, Hey guys at Strange Matters. I have a scary story from my childhood that you might be interested in. This happened over a decade ago, when I was around 10 or 11. My family and I had just moved into a pretty isolated neighborhood in Ohio, enough woods and open space between plots where you didn't have any sight of your neighbor's houses from your own. Our new house had a fenced-in backyard so our two dogs could run around, and it came with a gate at the back of the fence, which is where our story begins. The first couple days in our house, when as normal, we mostly focused on settling in and unpacking. Me and my younger brother would have fun running around our backyard and beyond into the woods which surrounded most of our property. Now, things started to get weird, I think, about a week after we moved in. One morning, 
Like normal, my mom let out our dogs to the backyard so they could run outside and go to the bathroom. However, a little while later, when they looked outside, my mom and dad saw that the dogs were gone, and the fence gate at the back of the property was wide open. Luckily, our dogs were just sniffing around and hadn't run off, and our parents yelled at me and my brother because we were supposed to have locked the gate after we were done playing the day before. We swore that we did in fact lock it. I could remember because it was kind of rusty and the latch wasn't exactly centered on the lock, so it took some effort from me as a little girl to get it locked. However, we still got in trouble because who else would have unlocked it? Several days went by and things went on as normal, the gate incident forgotten. However, about three or four days after, my mom opened the back door to let the dogs out again, but this time she looked up in time and saw that once again the gate was wide open. This time, though, it couldn't have been us, because it had rained the night before, so we had no reason to go play beyond the fence. And my dad said the fence had been shut the whole day before, since he had watched the dogs play in the back. The whole family went over and inspected the gate. We tried pushing it while it was locked to see if maybe a strong wind could have pushed it open. We tried lightly swatting at the lock to see if maybe a raccoon could have opened it for some reason. But as I mentioned earlier, it took quite some bit of effort to move the latch. We just had no idea. So we just chalked it up as a strange occurrence and forgot about it. Until it happened yet again a few days later. After this third time, me and my brother were getting scared that there was some ghost or something silly that was haunting our backyard. But obviously my parents took it more seriously. As my dad got a night vision security camera to see what was causing this fence to just supposedly open on its own. We waited, and of course several days later, the gate was wide open in the morning. My dad was actually excited as he put up the footage. And me and my brother were arguing over what outlandish idea or childish imaginations could come up with that kept on making the fence open on its own. After my dad fast-forwarded through the night until the moment, I really wish it had just been some mischievous phantom. What we saw was a man walk into view of the camera from the woods. This man stood outside the fence for a few moments before reaching over and unlatching it, pushing the gate open. He then stood in place, staring at our house motionless for about a minute or two. After that, this person simply turned around and walked back out of view in the direction of the same woods that he came out of. Needless to say, we were all completely freaked out. My mom ran and called the police right away, while my dad looked at the video again and again, trying to come up with a reason. Anyways, two police officers showed up and we gave them the footage. They couldn't make any more sense of it than we could. They checked out the property and walked along the woods. They could make out a few footprints here and there, but nothing to work with. I guess they weren't expert trackers or anything. For the next couple nights, I was almost too scared to sleep. For a few nights, the police sent in extra patrols along the roads of our neighborhood, and my dad went out and got a couple of bright outside lights that would shine along the fence at night. I'm not sure if it was the extra police presence or the fact that our backyard was now lighted at all times, but I guess something spooked whoever it was coming to our house, as we never had the problem of the open gate ever again. Despite this, to this day, even though I live states away in my own place, I still get freaked out from the memory that there was once a mysterious person who liked to open the gate so they could just stare up at our house at night while we were sleeping. Very, very creepy story there, so thanks, Samantha. I think this situation would freak anyone out. It would be hard to feel safe knowing that there was some strange guy lurking around your house at night. Now, it might be my own imagination running wild, or... Perhaps it's from all the research through this podcast dealing with serial killers and disturbing crimes, 
but I can just picture this guy kind of scoping out houses, staring up at them and perhaps psyching himself up for a crime, or just letting it all play out in his own head while he watched the house. So as a final thought for all you other listeners who have gated yards, if you ever wake up one morning and you can't figure out why it was left open, you might not want to just brush the whole thing off. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you have any comments to make about any of the stories shared in this episode, or if you have your own creepy, paranormal, or unexplained personal story of your own that you would like to be shared, you can write to us at our email at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. Perhaps your tale could make it on to our next listener story episode. Also, you can visit our website at strangematterspodcast.com, where you can comment on, download, and listen to all of our episodes. If you enjoy Strange Matters and are interested in checking out other shows that have a similar feeling, please check out the Dark Myths Collective. Dark Myths is a group of like-minded podcasts that delve into the dark and creepy side, with podcasts dealing with mysteries, crimes, history, the paranormal, and more. If you are interested, please check out the whole lineup at darkmyths.org. In particular, if you are interested in mystery and conspiracy, I would recommend checking out the Lone Gunman podcast. This podcast goes into great detail covering every twist and turn surrounding the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It really is a great show and does a good job of presenting new angles to the event that most people aren't aware of, as well as debunking certain myths and exaggerations. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, please check out the Lone Gunman podcast. And last of all, I will ask for those of you listeners who enjoy Strange Matters and would like to help out the show please take the time to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It means a lot to us to hear your feedback, and it also helps promote the podcast so we can attract new listeners. So until the next time here at Strange Matters, take it easy, everyone.